What's up, y'all? This is Nick Luciano. And this is Blake Moore. And, and welcome, welcome to Tratter Talk. This is a podcast centered around the country lifestyle and how to be a positive influence. We're going to have some awesome guests on the show, share our stories, and cover uplifting topics to encourage y'all to conquer the day. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday on all podcast platforms and YouTube. And don't forget, smile every day and know your worth. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Tratter Talk, a podcast centered around the country lifestyle and how to be a positive influence. Thank you all for segueing your way into this episode. We'll see what word I overuse today. My name is Nick Luciano. My name is Blake Moore. And this podcast is brought to you by Ariat, innovative and award-winning performance products for all types of outdoor and work environments. Today, we have someone y'all have all come to love in our TikToks, ex-bull rider, horse trainer, and Guinness beer fanatic. We have way too much Guinness at the Tratter house. Please welcome the Tratter dad, Roy Dinges. How you doing, Roy? Good. Great to be here. Yeah. You liking Texas so far? I love Texas. Where are you, where are you from originally? Originally, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then took residency in Florida. And now you're in Texas. I am Texas. Yeah. Speaking of bull riding, uh, we went to the PBR the other day. From our friends at Ariat. Blake, you wasn't there. Nope. You was in California. I was in California <laughs> taking me a little small vacation from you, Wacko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great time. Uh Austin Richardson, he brought home the buckle. And that last ride was insane. Oopa. Oopa. Did you see the pictures from it? No, I don't think so. No, Actually, I- yeah, yeah, you showed me. Yeah. Yeah. That bull was flat. Yeah. Had- he was soaring. He was soaring. Um, so, yeah, he rode Whoopa. And then um, who else had some good good performances that night? Oh, there was too many. I mean, a yeah. lot of good rides that night. There was a lot of good rides. Uh, we got to watch our boy uh, Ezekiel Blue Mitchell. He rode. Um, and then uh, we hung out with him. It was always great to hang out with Team Ariat. Um, so, yeah, PBR was a lot of fun. And so today's episode is really just going to go along the lines of positivity, and we're going to get to know the Tratter Dad a little bit better, and uh, we'll go into asking him some questions. So, Roy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? How old you are? Stuff like that. Uh, well, we don't want to, like you say, I'm 27. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he tells everybody. Uh, older than you guys, put it that way. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in South Central Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Dillsburg, to be exact, a little town. Uh, raised on a farm, had horses, hogs, things like that, butcher shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was raised there. I uh, got into the horse business, my grandfather. And uh, when I turned 18, I decided to leave. So went to Florida, and the journey took me now to Texas. Yeah, and now you're a full-time content creator. Uh, trying, <laughs> trying, to be. <laughs> trying to be, um, so yeah, you mentioned you, you, uh, you got into the horse business. How'd you get started doing that? Well, my, my grandpa, he, he raised standard reds, mm-hmm. race horses, you know, and, uh, growing up, we went to all the county fairs, racing horses and down to, uh, there's a little, uh, down there, DC Rosecroft raceway. So mm-hmm. that's where I grew up racing and, you know, tried to get out of it and, it's always in your blood. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the type of racing you do. 
Because a lot of people don't know that this exists. And I, I want to put a picture of the screen on the screen of you doing it. Oh, yeah. So when I tell people harness racing, they, they say, oh, it's Surrey racing or Salkies or a lot of people think Ben-Hur. Mm-hmm. You ever see Ben-Hur in, in the chariots? Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like they, the they Roman days? <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not it at all. So um, they'll see the picture up here. So, you know, or y'all look it up. Harness racing, Salkies, you know. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're pretty much all around kind of cowboy. You 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 know horses. You're very. I've we've I've known Roy for about seven years, going on seven years. So he's all around cowboy. He knows the ins and outs of horses and uh, rodeo because you rode bulls for thirteen years, right? Thirteen years. Yeah. So how'd you get in into bull riding? So my best friend in first grade was my neighbor. So after school. Uh, in first grade, uh, we would go up there to his place. They had an indoor arena. His dad was a calf roper. So his dad would put us on calves every time we went up there. I mean, my mom didn't know about this. So, so anyway, we got on calves and then, uh, as the years went on, just the steers and all that, and I would sneak away and people didn't know and go anywhere to ride. And then when I turned 18, I, I got my, my pro card and just hit the road. So you kept it a secret from your mom? Oh, yeah. I mean, I brought it up to her, and she was like, no. Uh, ain't going to happen. My mom was the same way with football. She didn't want me to play football. That's how moms are. My mom was the same way whenever I used to race motocross. She was yeah. just like, yep, no, you're not doing that. Yeah. yeah. And, and Blake, and you probably the same way. Like, when I, when I had a rodeo close by, uh-huh. my mom was so against it because she didn't want me to get hurt. Probably the same with your mom. But she would come out, she'd be my biggest fan. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, yelling, yep. screaming, you know. Yeah. We love we love Tratter Moms. Yeah, Tratter Moms. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Um so yeah. Um and you said you rode bulls for, for how long? I I mentioned it was thirteen years. Um and you know, we always say in, in bull riding, I'm not no bull rider, I've tried riding steers and stuff like that, but it's not it's not if you get hurt, it's when you get hurt. So tell us about some of your craziest injuries you've had. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, a broken neck, legs. I mean, it goes with the territory. I mm-hmm. had my calf filleted open. Yeah. Uh, bull stepped on it. Um, broken wrists. I mean, it just, there's a whole list. Yeah, you have an injury right now, too. Oh, I have a pinched nerve right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's from bull. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably from holding the, holding up the, the screen and TikToking too much. Yeah, you gotta, get, you gotta get that that phone muscle. <laughs> the phone. Yeah, you gotta get that worked out real quick. Well, that's awesome. All right, well, so like, what's the biggest lesson that bull riding's like taught you throughout the years of you riding? Well, looking back now, probably the biggest lesson is to enjoy like every moment. Mm-hmm. Bull riding has taken me all over the country. I've met so many people, and at the time, you like you want to get in, get out, and you just always hustling. You know, so I'm thankful for the people I met and the, the, all the places I've been. And I, and sometimes I look back now and wish that I had taken a little more time with certain people or or kind of took in the moment a little more. That makes sense. What about what about horses? What have they taught you? Patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the. V. I'm sure we all know that. Mm-hmm. We all own horses too. Yeah. Yeah. Patience. So what would you tell someone if they're wanting to get into this lifestyle? Like what would be like one message that you would like tell them? For the bull riding world? 
Yeah, yeah, that. Bull yeah, riding lifestyle, country lifestyle, anything. Just cowboy in. Cowboy in. It's, in general. It's a full-time, like, you have to eat it, breathe it, sleep it. I mean, for me, with bull riding anyway, that if you want to do it and be good, you have to practice everywhere, in the car, on your bed. You got to go to practice pens, get on. I mean, you have to mm-hmm. be dedicated. For those of y'all who don't know, what he means by practice on your bed. What do you, yeah. <laughs> what do you I'm mean? sorry. <laughs> I was going to say. So, Could you give us a demonstration on the couch? Uh, I can't. I don't have a corner. So uh, <laughs> so the guy that taught me was a two-time world champion, and he was telling us before we go to bed, get on the, the, on the corner of your bed like you're sitting on a bull and just practice. Mm-hmm. You know, so just to clarify that. So that's what he meant by that. You could do it on the corner of the couch. <laughs> Come on, show us. I'm show not him. getting up there. <laughs> okay. What would you? Uh, what would be some advice you'd give a youngin that's wanting to start out on some steers or something? Go, like I said, get on all the time whenever you can. But look, look up to and ask advice from people that know what they're talking about, like people that have had success and you know, world champions and people that know how to do it right. I always say, they say practice makes perfect. It's wrong. Perfect practice makes perfect. I hear that way too much around the Chatterhouse. That's good stuff to live by, though, because I, Roy's been an inspiration, to, honestly, in the Chatterhouse because there's so many times where, like, just Roy, like, you like you used to be a preacher, and this is some of the things you have told me. It's just, like, helps mellow me out a lot. With like mm-hmm. you know your grandmother's story, you know, when her her voice in the back of your head talking yeah. about like, uh, what was that quote you told me? A soft word turns away wrath. Yeah, like that mm-hmm. right there. Like I get so heated so quick. Like like, I feel like I, I'm a mini you yeah. in a way. <laughs> but like just like stuff like that is like crazy. Like how I don't know if that just comes with the old age. You know, like maybe you, just, <laughs> you coming up with like good stuff like that. Hey, but he's like, 27. Watch it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but going along with what I was just saying, like. I don't know. Just you always have a word. You always have good advice for every situation. It's crazy. Well, thank you. I'm, yeah, it means a lot. Yeah, Better. that's just like I'm just trying to butter you up a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I tell him that all the time. I'm like, dude, things are dysfunctional in the Trader House. I, I mean, they can get dysfunctional, but at times there's there's days where we get stuff done. But dude, sometimes it just feels like we're shooting from the hip twenty twenty four the hip shooting from the hip twenty four seven. And it's like, Roy, what do we do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, Roy, I need advice on this. Roy, we Can need advice. <laughs> yeah. That was good last night, especially when we was talking to Andy. Roy, what would be, like, what is your definition of cowboy? Because in this generation, everyone has their own definition of what cowboy is versus, like, me and Nick and you, they're all going to be different. But, like, <clears throat> what is your definition of what a true cowboy is? Well, that's the thing. People see a lot of, like, they watch the old John Wayne movies and Clint Eastwood, and that's where they get the perception that that's what a cowboy is. But a cowboy is, you know, my dad thought he was a cowboy. He was an asphalt cop, cowboy. You know, mm-hmm. he was a truck driver. So a cowboy can co- encompass a whole lot of, uh, from truck drivers to, to ranch and to a lot of things. And I think when people just perceive it as, as you know, if you ain't out, uh, doctoring cows and roping that you're not a cowboy. Mm-hmm. No, they're yeah. absolutely wrong. Yeah, there's 
there's certain aspects like you have to live and breathe the lifestyle, but the lifestyle, like you said, encompasses so much. And that's why I think what we're doing is really important because what's been missed has been social media. This lifestyle does encompass social media. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're here to like show people. Yeah. And, and the example I use, like we're all in the same church, just different pews. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You commented that on a TikTok the other day. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was talking about this is a cowboy. This ain't a cowboy. Did you see that one? Mm -mm. Yeah. And I was like, this is a perfect example of driving the industry apart. Everybody who's worried about who isn't a cowboy is the ones that don't want to see the industry like succeed. It seems that way. Like yeah. it really does. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of frustrating, actually. What about you, Blake? What do you, what's My your definition of a cowboy? Yeah. My definition of a true cowboy is that it's the dedication and the hard work that you put into your ranch and your and your livestock. Because, in all honesty, like whenever you came to Illinois that weekend, like I'm just now getting into like understanding horses a lot more. I've been in the lifestyle with like my grandpa used to show Western Pleasure, had like 14 horses like stocked up in the barn at one time, and it was crazy because like whenever you came to Illinois and showed me like the doctoring skills that I didn't know about. Like, it was just really nice. But, like, that dedication that I wanted to learn, that comes with being a cowboy. That that drive that you have to, like, go out there and, like, want to do better for your, like, your stock. Like, uh, that's just my definition, honestly. It's, like, real short, simple, mm -hmm. like. Absolutely. Yeah. My definition is, like, it ain't about the clothes you wear. It's about the heart in your chest. That's my definition. Because your heart has to have a lot of try, and it's got to have a lot of compassion, and it's got to fear God. And that's what I think a true definition of a cowboy is. Um, but, yeah, I think we talk about it a lot, and I talk about it on social media. Like the, I hate to use the word toxic, but it really is. Like the Western industry is like I always use the example of like I think I told you this, but like how when you go to an NBA game, you're wearing a jersey, and people people don't say anything about it. They're not like, how good are you at basketball to wear a basketball jersey? But you go to a rodeo, and it's like, what do you do for a living to wear that hat? You know what I mean? Or like, why are you, like, even if, like, something as silly as, like, I know we gave you crap about it, but it's something as silly as if your jeans aren't starched. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, or you're, you have a different shaped hat. Like, it doesn't matter. And that's what I'm grateful for, like, the true cowboys, including Roy, who like, like I knew Roy before. Um, well, I was just getting into all of this stuff, and uh, he was gave me a lot of good advice on a lot of different things, including horses and when I was riding steers and stuff like that. So that's my definition of a true cowboy: is yeah, have a grit and try, but you got to have compassion and you got to, you know, be a man of God. So, yeah, that's a good question, Blake. Yeah, I think the better one would be a God-fearing man. Yeah. That's like, yeah. Because that's all I see whenever Roy starts talking. He's, he's a God-fearing God man. Whenever mm -hmm. he talks about, like, what your cowboy is and, like, get your blood going. Yeah, it really does. Because <laughs> I don't know, these the people that are watch, listening to this and watching this, like, they're the kids that <clears throat> look up to us for, like, what we're doing. And whenever it comes from inspiration from, like, an older guy, you know, in the industry— like that honestly probably means a lot to them hearing it coming mm -hmm. from an older guy. Right. Yeah. Than us anyway. Moving on. We're all cowboys. We all been cowboying for a little bit. But now 
we have entered a new chapter in our lives of social media. Uh, un, uncharted territory for Roy Dinges. <laughs> he didn't even know how to post an Instagram story last month. And now you're here. How many followers you got on TikTok? Um, 54K or something like that. That's crazy. And then your Instagram's growing. Everything's growing. It is. He's got a solid fan base. It's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, him and Nick be going at these uh, little live battles on TikTok. <laughs> and, you know, Nick's got 6 million followers or something like that. Roy's got 54,000. And Roy whoops him every time. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. Battles. Every time he whoops him. It's great. <laughs> I don't know how it happens, but it's so cool to see someone like you, like, take sort of a leap of faith because he was jogging horses every day and you seen our mission out here, seen what we was doing and said, Hey, you know, I, I want to do this too. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I was totally against TikTok. Like I wasn't, I wasn't protesting against it or anything. Mm -hmm. It just, it wasn't on my to-do list. And then, uh, I think we went to Colorado and Nick kind of talked me into getting on in TikTok. Yeah. I remember y'all's first video y'all made. That was the most cringiest thing I ever saw Roy dancing like that. He's so nervous behind the camera. Uh, but now you're fine. You're good. You got you loosened up a lot. The first one he was nervous. The second one, he had a few Guinnesses in him. <laughs> so his hip was a little looser on that one. And he was like he kept telling people because like that was his first TikTok and people had seen it from your family and they're like, Oh, Roy's doing TikTok. And he kept saying, Oh, he made me do it. They was I was mm -hmm. drug into it, and little does he know, or little did they know, we was at the resort where we was, you know, just hanging out, and he's he's out in the lobby of the resort. Oh, we gotta find a good backdrop. We gotta uh, find a good. That bridge <laughs> looks cool. It's like the lighting and stuff. And I was like, "You liar! <laughs> you wanted the dance." I didn't even know the dance, and you said, "Just follow me." Yeah, and and then I got comments about him doing it better than me. That's not true. Yeah, yeah, but we did the when the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Something I said. Yeah, that one. Neon Moon. Neon Moon. That was a good one. The remix. Um, but yeah, now we all do all sorts of TikTok dances and trends, and now we're at a podcast. Speaking of, this is my ADHD taking over. Look at this new logo. Yeah, I was telling Paul, that looks sick. Yeah. Looks really cool. That's badass. I like that a lot. Uh, well, the next question would be is, you were totally, like you said, you were totally against TikTok. Um... But now I think you see what we've seen from the beginning of how it really does help people. What it, what have you seen from an outsider's perspective, like from coming in to coming out? Like, how do you see that it's helped people, if that makes sense? Well, uh, just from the comments and, and especially me with Snapchat, because people see see me or see all of us on, on TikTok. Uh, people like uh, I think I've had two or three people yesterday say, hey, give me some words of encouragement or when y'all putting up another TikTok because it brightens my day. You know, when I'm feeling down, I just got to watch y'all's TikToks and it brings a smile to my face. Mm -hmm. So I love reading things like that because it, it's like we're doing something good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome because <laughs> he can't get enough of it. He was on live for two hours yesterday. I remember whenever I first started, like, <laughs> doing lives on TikTok. I was on there for a long time. Yeah. yeah. But then after a while, it just drains you. I'm only on there for about 45 minutes or so a night or every other night. It just depends. I've been on live for, like, two weeks till last night. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, though. Me and Roy it beat is. goofballs on, on TikTok. 
People love that. Yeah, they do. It's so funny. <laughs> so Roy's only five nine and he's got a bad hip and I took the <laughs> I took the uh the running boards off my truck. So I started a series on on my Snapchat about Roy jumping up into my truck. I don't know why you would take them things off. Because it looks cooler without them. I'll get the electronic ones for you, and I'll make sure it's got the little handicap sticker on it. Appreciate it. For you. Do we need to go get a handicap sign so when we park places <laughs> at the rodeos, we can be up front? Okay, we're off track. Anyway, all right. I'm back on the lines of social media. How do you feel about being the Tratter Dad? Uh, I've kind of come into that role. Like uh, I, mm-hmm. I'll go with it now. I think Blake started that. Didn't you start that? That you were my dad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And well, my my mom even said that we kind of looked alike. Yeah, like if I like I was a younger you, she really did, and I was like, "What?" I was just saying as a joke, mm-hmm. but yeah, now it just took off. I don't think Roy would have a a mullet being a younger you. <laughs> no, nah, but I used to be clean cut. Mm-hmm. Roy's totally against mullets. What a jerk! <laughs> Not even American. Blake wears a good. He does, but clean cut. Don't patronize him. Blake clean cut is yeah. I gotta yeah. say, I'm a fan of the wings, though. Dude, I used to be buzz cut. Well, not buzz cut, but like faded. Like whatever you got going on right there under that hat. Mm-hmm. That's usually how I used to always have my hair. Along the lines of positivity, um, we ask every guest who comes on the podcast, "How do you stay positive through through all the noise of social media?" I know you've seen it. We've got a lot of flack for what we're doing here, and and you know people don't really understand it. But how do you stay positive through all of it? It's a choice every day when you wake up, and you guys get a lot more than than I get, and I, I see how it affects everybody, you know. But it's a choice that you have ninety eight percent of the people that love you guys, and two percent just absolutely can't stand you. Mm-hmm. And when you concentrate and you focus on the ninety eight percent, your odds are a lot better of succeeding. Yeah. So and. I can really appreciate being with you guys and just coming into into your world because it's every time I watch you guys, I don't care whether you make a, a little dancing video or or a TikTok as a skit. Like it's a whole production. Like everything's got to be so in sync, perfect, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. Like I just like watching y'all. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm the new guy, so I learn every time I watch y'all, mm-hmm. and uh, still in that comfort zone a little bit. But it's it's coming out a little more. Yeah. But, yeah, every day is a choice. All right. So on that note, we're going to be excited into our next section. Uh, we're going to be doing some area affirmations where we take uh, questions from Instagram and give our personal insights on the questions y'all ask us. All right. Question one. How y'all deal with family negativity with pursuing your passion that isn't a normal job? So when I first started doing TikTok, obviously I did it as a joke wasn't being for real about it, and I was working freaking, I don't even 14 hours a day as a heavy equipment operator, just normal guy, and my mom got a kick out of my videos, and my dad did as well, and uh, at the time, whenever I, my, me and my dad would, at the end of the day, i come in from work, beat to death, just ready to go to bed, he'd be sitting in there watching YouTube videos, and I just like that's always what my dad did, and he would watch videos on like how to make money, mm-hmm. and like he was really into like understanding stocks and all that stuff. And he watched a video of a guy, de- like un- like um, breaking down the charts of 
how much he makes off YouTube. And my dad was like, you need to start doing YouTube on, on the side of TikTok. And I was like, yeah, well, I ain't got the time for that. I don't know how to do it. I'm dumb. I'm just not my thing. So one, it hit January, and I, we were laid off work. And I was like, well, I could be doing some funny something here. So I started trying to do YouTubes. And that's whenever I quit my job because I was like, I'm going to pursue this because I watched the videos. I got hyped up about it. I was like, I can make a living doing this. I love what I'm doing. But my mom was not about it. She's still, my mom's still not 100% about what I'm doing. She loves what I'm doing. Like, she loves the impact that we all bring. But my mom's really worried about me wanting to start a family. She's always worried about my mental health. She's always worried about my, like, insurance, you know, like, paying for bills and stuff. I think once you, my dad's all about it. My dad believes in me 100%. I think my mom does too, but she just takes very, she's very cautious, I guess, on giving me that you got it, you know. Uh, my dad understands the social media a lot more with num- number-wise than my mom does. Mm-hmm. But I think what's kept me strong is at least one of my family members is about it. Uh, I know my sisters are not jealous, I guess. They're kind of... I don't know. I feel like my dad's the only one that really says, go get him, boy. Like, go after it. And mm-hmm. I want to cry. <laughs> it almost seems like my, my sisters, they, they they like what I do. But again, they don't agree with it because I'm not home. Mm-hmm. I guess they don't really see what I, they don't see my image of what I want to do. I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that question now. I really don't. I just, I believe in myself. And then from doing that, is whenever I want to show them that I can do it. Mm-hmm. I guess that's. I guess that's my answer right there. Yeah, I'm gonna prove them wrong. Yeah, I like that. My family is the same way. It was the same way with my dad. My dad. Could, well, for those of y'all who don't know, I touch on it. I don't talk about it too much, but I was an engineer before all this and worked for the government. Had all sorts of benefits into retirement. Like, you know, whole the whole. Nine yards. I was set up for life. I'd be making six figures at 28 and then, you know, have a brand new car, get a house, blah, blah, whatever. But I wasn't happy. My dad said, you're an idiot for giving that up. And I was the same way with you, with, with my dad. I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I left. Because I don't know. There's a thing about me. It's like if if I'm in an environment where I'm around people that don't push me to be to be better with what I'm actually passionate about, I'm not. I'm. I'm not gonna stay. I. I. I straight up left. So. Yeah. That's what I did. And I found people that support me. So, you gotta find people that support you. How do your folks feel about it? Uh, my mom. She loves it. My family mm-hmm. loves it. Um, my brother, my middle brother. He's, you know, no TikTok, so he kind of he kind of gets on me a little bit. But uh, my mom, a hundred percent, supports me. Anything I've ever done, she supports me. Yeah. She might have a little drawback sometimes but with this she's all about it yeah i love your mom she's so <laughs> sweet um yeah tony snapchats me all the time about doing dumb tiktok dances <laughs> and then i feel bad and then i give him flack because he only snapchats me when he's drinking he doesn't mean that derogatory though i know i want to take um a couple of steps back whenever i said <clears throat> my family 
I want to make it clear my family does support what I do, but like Roy said, they have a little bit of drawback. Mm-hmm. But my dad is a full force. Go get him, Tiger. Like, you got it, son. Yeah. But, yeah, my family just, they're like, we just want, you don't, you know, have a backup plan. That's right. what they basically say. I'll go back blue collar. I ain't scared, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, too, that fear comes from just literally not knowing. That is they true. They don't, like, my mom, she just sees the videos, but, like, if she was to make a TikTok, it'd be look like she's looking at hieroglyphics. Yeah. You know, so she just doesn't know. And, like they say, yeah. knowledge is power, and if you don't know it, then you're not going to support and somebody. I, and I think that's why my dad's go get him because he watches those videos. He knows what the numbers could be, mm-hmm. and he knows, like, what content I bring to the table. So that's where he get. I think that's where his – he. my dad's my motivation for this right now because if it wasn't for my dad, I'd be like, yeah, no. Because mm-hmm. I'm not no one else in my family's like, yep, you got it, dude. Go get them, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So love you, dad. Thanks. <laughs> okay, the question How do you get over fear holding you back from taking the leap of faith? Well, one thing I always rely on greatness comes at the end of our comfort zone. Something we always got to keep in mind. And as far as fear, I, I've talked to, to both of you about it that we were not created with the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So back to that whole thing that I said before, it's all about a choice. Get out of the comfort zone. Go for it. What do you have to lose? Regrets are the biggest thing because if you don't do it, you're going to look back 20 years from now and say, you know, I wish I would have done that. Mm-hmm. So everything is a choice. Whatever you set your mind to, you can absolutely do it. Yeah. Absolutely do it. So don't let fear ever hold you back. Your mind, people don't understand how powerful the mind is. Um, I think last week, Blake and I talked about the anxiety thing. And, you know, it's what you choose to to let whatever comes into your mind, you know, is going to affect you. Don't let it. Don't open the door to that. Don't say, hey, I'm going to fail today or I'm going to fail this test or don't open the door to negativity mm-hmm. because when you do. You're done. A person that says they can't will always be right. Absolutely. Yeah, and then I I read something the other day. It's like studies show that positive thoughts are seven times more powerful than negative ones. Years ago, I read in a newspaper. A very, it's very, uh, it touched me. Because with bull riding, you always have doubts. You know, you draw a certain bull or the doubt comes into your mind and, and the fear sets in. So, the, uh, true story, uh, a man worked on a refrigerated boxcars on a railroad. His greatest fear, he told his wife, that he would get stuck inside one of those boxcars and freeze to death. Well, one day, he, he went in to, to repair something on the inside, and the door slammed shut. They went home that day. Not him. He was still locked in there. All the workers went home that day. They couldn't find him. They didn't know where he was. They found him the next day. He was dead. He had taken his tools and inscribed on the inside, so cold, can't feel my feet. They did an autopsy. Everything showed that he froze to death. All the signs showed he froze to death. But what he didn't know, the refrigeration was broke, and the temperature never fell below 64 degrees in that boxcar. His fear killed him. So if your mind is so powerful that it can kill you like that, it can overcome addiction. It can overcome anxiety. It can overcome fear. Mm -hmm. 
People don't realize that. I love that story. I never get tired of hearing that one. It's like so real that it's not, you know, mm-hmm. like that's freaking crazy. Right. Like, like, yeah, your mind wow. is so powerful. You put it in perspective, like, dude, <clears throat> we humans are magical in a sense. You can literally do anything. Like, we can heal ourselves. You think, you ever think about that? Yeah. Your, your body literally repairs itself. Your brain literally can regenerate new, like, paths. Like, you, you think of something and you can literally make it come to life. That's insane to me. And people just, like, go through life every day like, uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I, if I, you know, overcoming fear, I would say that, you know, I think a fear is like a diving board, you know? Yeah. You see, when you're standing back at the end of the diving board looking at the water, you're just kind of like, okay, I'm I'm chilling. It's nothing crazy. But then as you start like walking closer to the end of the diving board, I don't know, me personally, I get excited. You know what I mean? It's It's something that people do fear jumping in the deep end. But when you're standing at the end of the diving board and your toes are hanging off like that, I would link that emotion closer to excitement because, you know, like you said, if you get that spirit of fear in you, you know, you're just going to walk back to the end of the diving board. You're never going to truly take that jump. So, you know, when you're most scared, I would say get excited and and jump, if that makes sense. Well, I know from like, like riding and racing motocross, I was more scared to race than I was to go to open practice. I don't know what what it was about that. Like, I didn't, I don't know. I, I'd go to the county fair races, and I would literally be the slowest one on that track just because I was scared. Like, I was literally scared that I was, like, just going to mess up. I was going to look like an idiot. I was just going to wipe out, and my, my season's done. But whenever I go to, like, open practices, I'm, like, screaming. You know, like, I'm, like, lapping everyone. Like, it was... I, I don't know what it was, but once I finally set in the mentality of like, dude, I'm just riding my bike. Like, it's just one jump out to the next. And like, even like whenever we would go to like Monster Mountain, like we uh, went to this track in Durham Town, actually, and it was like this 120 foot uphill triple or something like that. Freaking huge. And I hit it on a 125 and I was like 180 pounds. That's a lot of weight for 125. (laughs) And that's a big jump for an uphill triple on a 125. And I had no fate in myself at all that I was going to hit this jump, right? Came around the corner, hooked up good. And I was like, I'm going to hit this. And I hit it, and I threw like, threw it down. Yeah. It was great. It was the best accomplishment I had in a long time. Just even, I just said, do it. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. So and That goes back to what I was saying. If you had turned it and you said, I'm not going to make this. I'm going to wreck, and I'm, my season's done. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of that, for real. Like, I used to do, like, um, not X Games, not even close to that. But, like, me and my buddies would do, like, little tricks. Like, I would do knack-knacks or throw whips and stuff like that. And I was really trying to get the knack-knack down at this one time. And our home track had this uphill triple. And I was always doing it on that because you could really get in the air and have some air time. So I had a hang time where I was, like, going to try it. I was so confident, other than the time where I started, there was a, a piece of pipe that stuck out just a little tiny bit on this on the face of the jump. And I, like, I hit it for one time, and I came back around. I'm like, man, I don't know if I better hit this or not. Like, I'm going to 
I'm going to screw up or something, overcorrected and tore up my knee. Like I had a softball on the side of my kneecap and I had a peg. My peg went in. Yeah, my peg went in the side of my knee and <clears throat> jacked it up for like two weeks. And I at like I have bad knee problems still. Like it has a real weird mm-hmm. nerve pain deal going on there. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, the mentality you're not gonna make it, you're gonna crash. Yeah. This next question is how to how do I not be driven by your emotions only? And I think patience comes huge with that. Um I was told like when we were talking last night, I always follow the 72 hour rule, you know, like if something happens, you know, you, and we talked about this in last podcast, you can't control what happened, but you can control the way you react. And I think being patient and understanding your emotions is very vital, like waiting to, to talk about it or waiting to, to confront the person about it. I always follow the 72 hour rule. Because by then you've kind of cooled off a little bit. You've had time to process and you can get your message across coherently instead of acting out of, you know, spite or anger. So that's how I kind of deal with, you know, not letting my emotions control me. But I do let myself feel my emotions because I don't believe in, and this is just me personally, I don't believe in blocking out emotions. I believe in that you need to feel something. I need, you need to cry. You need to grieve. You need to feel anger because your brain, like we're humans. We're meant to connect. We're meant to feel emotions. And if you keep them bottled up, it's never going to, it's never going to, you know, do well. And I think people run from that. Don't run from your emotions. Make sure you feel them first, process it, and talk about it. Yeah, I can agree with the whole 72-hour rule. That's why I'm single. (laughs) 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 For real, man. I'm not kidding you. Uh, I know what you said about, like, processing it and then talking about it. Like, quit holding in your emotions. And I know that's, like, what will cause, like, like my... uh, high school relationship was because I mean we're both childish but I did like I did that I bottled up my emotions and I never talked about it and that mentally destroyed me without me even knowing it and then I never followed the 72 hour rule and I was like see ya you know and who knows the outcome that would have been you know what I mean it's just I like the I like that 72 mm-hmm. hour rule but that's hard to do man when you're freaking a firecracker like me and Tratter Dad, it's it's hard to <laughs> yeah hold that back. What about you, Roy? What do you think? I think you guys summed it up. Roy's good with helping us with the 72-hour rule. Tratter Dad brings lots of wisdom. And y'all could already tell in this podcast, like, you know what we're talking about whenever he's of inspiration. Like, every, he said, I don't even know how many quotes in here, but they're amazing. They, like, make sense, and, like, he remembers them. You know yeah. I mean? You're getting, yeah, that's going to do a lot. I appreciate you guys because we're definitely not perfect. And, and sometimes I I go back on the things and you guys remind me and I appreciate that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's as iron sharpens iron. Yeah. 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 You help, you help us. We help you. Yeah. That's what I love about this house. I think the biggest thing that we need to remember is that as humans, we can't get comfy. Mm -mm. As soon as you get comfy, I went to this, um, what is it? It was a Christian conference, and it was in Chicago, Illinois. And this young lady was giving a sermon about as Christians, whenever you like, 
you got to quit being comfy to plant the seed. You have to be put in some weird positions, predicaments, kind of things to even plant that seed. And us as not necessarily like planting seeds, but like just with people in general and videos, you once you get comfy, you're going to go downhill. Right. And that's life. That's life in general. Like if you think that you're doing good at your job every day, you're going to fail. Like, I mean, well, no, nah, I would rephrase that. If you think you can't do better at your job, then you're going to fail. If you get comfy that, like, yep, th- my boss is fine with what I'm doing right now. I'm just going to keep doing it. He's not going to be pleased all the time. You, you got to do something that's going to, like, up yourself to where he's like, okay, this guy's a keeper, you know? And mm-hmm. if we, you know, which we're not comfy, I don't feel like. I think we have been a little bit, you know, with mm-hmm. the whole house movement. we kind of been stuck in a predicament with – content with you know us building a business but like you said iron sharpens iron and we get out of those comfy positions and we get and get put out there in the real stuff yeah he he just reminded me about you know being complacent is i think with our our faith in god and and just in our work environment at the house that sometimes we let it burn down to embers you know and it takes the other people around you to to fan the flame to bring Mm -hmm. it back up to where it should be Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like we heard a lot of good stories. Roy's got stories for days. Anybody, <laughs> anybody who's met Roy knows he can talk. And but when you come, when you meet Roy, he literally like you. You always learn something. Yeah. And this this man is just like I have so much respect for him. So incredible, and I'm so glad you're here, like doing this with us. Um, I've never met one person that hasn't had a bad thing to say about Roy, someone that like truly knows you and hangs around with you. Everybody, we have a saying, everybody loves Roy. Thank you all for watching. It's been another great, exciting episode of Tratter Talk. We heard a lot of great stories from the Tratter Dad, Roy Dinges. We want to thank Ariat for helping us produce this podcast. We love being a part of Team Ariat. Make sure to follow Roy on all his social medias. Where can they follow you, Roy? Uh, Instagram, Roy underscore Dinges, TikTok, Roy Dinges. And make sure to follow Tratter Company and Tratter House. All the socials will be at the top. If y'all are watching this on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate and view to boost us up on the charts. If y'all are watching this on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. And next podcast, we're going to have upcoming country artist David J. So we're excited to talk to him and get to know him a little better. And yeah, we're going to wrap it up there. So thank y'all for tuning in. And don't forget, smile every day. And know your worth. We'll see y'all in another episode. See ya. <laughs>